This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Uh, we're going to look at uh, Secret Place Prayer and continue with that. We've uh, been looking at the importance of prayer. And thank you for all the comments. Uh, it's, it's ministering to you, and you're, some of you are igniting your prayer life again. And it's, it's talking with God. And even if you have a couple minutes here and there, take those couple minutes. Or if you're in your car or wherever, talk to God. Communicate with Him. And we're learning some principles that we filter uh, whatever we hear through the cross, through that finished work. Just even uh, as uh, Pastor Shauna was doing uh, with that song. Even there's a lot of songs that you have to filter, you know, through the cross. And what does that mean to, to us? And um, when you do that, it brings peace. It brings uh, that finished work of the cross. It keeps it before you. It keeps the cross before you and the price that was paid for each of us. So it's a, it's, it's a blessing. It's a great place to be. And it's everywhere you turn. You have to always remember the price that was paid and filter whatever through the cross. Amen? So we looked at Old Testament praying is different from New Testament praying because in the Old Testament there was not the covenant agreement or the cross hadn't happened. And so there were some things that took place in the Old Covenant that uh, will not take place in the New Covenant. And you saw a couple of disciples that tried to call down fire from heaven like it was done in the Old Covenant. They tried to do it in the New Covenant. And Jesus had to scold them and said, you don't know whose father you're of. You're acting like the devil here. You know, we're just doing what was in the Old Covenant. Well, you're in the New Covenant. You're walking in a different place. And now God has made peace uh, through the blood of Jesus, and the sin issue has been taken care of. That has been taken care of because Jesus paid the price for all of our sins. Every place that you ever missed it, the price for sins was paid for, past, present, and future. Now, that, that brings you peace. And that means now I can come, even when I mess up, I can come to the throne room of grace, not judgment, of grace and I can receive mercy and if it's mercy that means I've blown it in the old covenant if you've blown it you didn't go before a holy God or you were crispy critters you were gone even the the priest that went into that holy holies to the presence of God had to go through all this routine all these uh, things to prepare themselves to cleanse themselves to go in and even then they tied a rope around them in case they missed it somehow to pull them out after they were dead now we come to God the very throne room of God even in sin when we blown it we missed it and we can receive mercy and help in time of need what a long ways we've come from what a place that we need to enjoy and we need to be thankful for the cross. Oh, I feel sorry for those Old Testament saints. Don't. They were saved by faith just like the New Testament people are saved by faith. Their faith was in sacrifices and the price that was paid. Now, once a year, the, uh, the high priest went in for the remission of sins, for the, uh, the substitute to take care for another year. 
So their faith was in those sacrifices and the things that were done. But now our faith is in one sacrifice once and for all. The price has been paid in full and we celebrate it. We have joy in it that Jesus has come and paid the price for us. And now he's resurrected from the dead. He resurrected himself. God the Father resurrected him. Why? Where he could be our high priest, where he could be our lawyer, where he could be our advocate and stand before the Father God. Even when we come and we need mercy and we blow them, we have an advocate there. We have the Lord Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of the Father. And he says, here comes Bob. Let me tell you, he didn't go on my qualifications. Jesus turns to the Father and says, look at the holes in my hands. Look at the, the, the nail prints in my, my feet. Look at what I did. I paid the price for Bob. And Father says, come on in, Bob. I've been looking for you. Come on, son. And I come and I receive mercy. See, that has me running the Father, not running away from Him. I'm not hiding from Him. I'm running to Him. When I blow it, it used to be I didn't want to come see Father. I blew it and I felt condemnation. I felt all this, but now I run to Him because I want relief. How do you spell relief? My good, good Father's how I spell it. And He's the judge. He's the mighty one. And he's lo He loves me. I'm His favorite you're his favorite. Even when he chastens me, that word chastens means that he, he trains me or he disciplines me as his favored child. You're his favored child. He loves you because he's love. That's just who he is. In Matthew chapter 6, we looked at the Lord's Prayer, and we've been filtering it through our new covenant. In uh, verse 9, it says, In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And, and that's, that's where we were, uh, where we stopped this last week. Uh, last week and we saw that unforgiveness or sin opens the door to the enemy and forgiveness shuts that door so uh, God uh, puts an emphasis you know on forgiveness and we looked at a parable that Jesus talked about that there was a servant that the king called him because he owed uh, a lot of money and uh, the servant asked that for that for him to be patient and uh, the king had compassion on him. And it was 10,000 talents they owed. And we saw that that was 150,000 years of wages. Say 150,000 years. That's a lot of work to get that. And it said that the king had mercy and compassion. He not only... Um, forgave him he released him from the debt he was released from the debt but then the same servant went out and he had a friend that owed him a hundred denarii which turns out to be a little bit over three months salary three months wages and see 
they went and they told the king what had happened, and the, the king says, well, you're going to prison. That debt that was forgiven you is now your debt. And the truth is, in this story, we're all, we're all in this, this parable. We're the ones that were forgiven the 10,000 talents. And anything that you hold against another person, the best that they can do against you in comparison to what God has forgiven you, the best that they can do against you is 100 denarii or a three-month salary compared to the 150,000 years of wages that you've been forgiven by God. Who are we not to forgive? Freely you have received, freely give. So we forgive others. And it's interesting how many times you see prayer and you'll see forgiveness connected with it. Why is that? And I'm going to talk about that uh, just a little bit where we can get some uh, understanding on that. Uh, in verse 35 uh, of that parable, it says, So my heavenly Father also will do to each of you from his heart, uh, each, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother's trespasses. So he allows us to go into captivity of the soul. You're in captivity. That's where your emotions, your will, your mind, your thinking, all this is taking place. When you have unforgiveness in you, there's a captivity of the soul. There's a heaviness that, that, that comes on you because you cannot receive uh, that, that unrighteousness out of your soul until you get forgiveness, until you release that other person, until you forgive. Now, when you forgive, it's a choice. It's, it doesn't mean that, that you approved of their action. God forgave us of all of our sin. He didn't approve of it. He just forgave us. So it's a decision that you make. It's not a feeling. If you're waiting on the feeling, it, it probably never come. The feeling follows usually after you make the decision to forgive. And then you th start thinking about the goodness and mercy of God in your own life. And then you say the emotions change and, and the feeling of peace and that, uh, about that person it even starts to take place take place in your life. So we open the door to the adversary. We let the enemy in because God will not violate your free will. And every time that you don't forgive someone, you're saying, forget the cross. I'm forgetting the debt that I was forgiven, and I'm holding them responsible. That's the reason he said, judge not, or you'll be judged. Because you're setting, you're frustrating the grace of God. You're setting yourself outside the boundaries of the kingdom of God and kingdom living, and you're choosing to walk outside of the benefits of the cross. And God will let you do it. And there's a captivity that comes. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. He still loves you. It's just you'll love him less. So when you're in sin, when you're in untruthfulness, unrighteousness. You're in sin, you love him less. It's not that he loves you less. But we see this forgiveness over and over. 1 Peter 3, 7, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers not be hindered. See, if you've got disagreement between you and your spouse, your prayers are being hindered. If, you're, if there's not that, that peace between you and your spouse, 
If you're not honoring her as the weaker, didn't say she is the weaker, as the weaker vessel, and not understanding that you're joint heirs together of the grace of God, your prayers are being hindered. Matthew eleven twenty five, Jesus said, Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. It says, Whenever you stand praying, you got anything against anyone, forgive. Now that tells you why not a lot of people kneel while they're praying. Get that in a minute. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> anyway. He said, every time that you pray, you need to forgive. You need to release it. Why? It's hindering you. It's hindering your prayers. Because God is speaking to you and he's saying, forgive. Look what I forgave you of. And you're to be like me and I forgive. So we have to Forgive. You're hindered in your heart. You're, you're rejecting the law of love. There is a, a commandment in the new covenant, and that's the law of love. That you're to love your neighbor as yourself. Of course, Lord, love the Lord first. You're forgetting what God has done, and we looked at Scripture last week. said you got to drop it, leave it, let it go. Doesn't mean you hang out with them. Doesn't mean you trust them because they've... Uh, they've uh, lied to you or did wrong to you, doesn't mean you have to go live with them. Or you just you forgive them. You release them. And you can start praying for them. And some people, it's better to pray from a distance. They'll have a witness in this place. Some people, you pray from a distance for them, but your heart is right. And your prayers are not being hindered. The Bible says in Romans 13, 8, Oh, no man... Uh, anything but to love one another. So last week I made this comment. I, I mentioned that we all have sin in our life. And, and when I did that, and a, a couple comments made, and I, I saw some spiritual antennas go up. You know, like, what are you talking about? We all have sin in our life. And went even beyond that, we all die with sin in our life. When you leave this earth, there's sin in your life. And I want to explain that some. Uh, one reason is because we're not perfect. We are not perfect. And I know that that probably uh, hurts your feelings. <laughs> but you're not perfect. And I don't want you to have a sin consciousness. I want you to have a righteous consciousness. But at, at the same time, we need to have some understanding of what Scripture says and, and who we are and what God has done for us. Sin may not, uh, it may not be a sin of, I should not have done that. It could be a sin of, I should have done this. Because there's, there are sins where Lord wanted you to speak to somebody about him or do something for somebody. Or maybe you didn't walk in love all the time. There, there's different, or maybe you had some thoughts that you let, you meditated on that weren't the thoughts that God said you were to think about. And that's, that's sin. We, we will never reach in this life 
a place of being sinless. And you can just, thank you, Jesus. You've been trying to be perfect. Forget it. You, You will not. We serve a perfect one. He was the perfect sacrifice. He paid the perfect price for us because we're imperfect. And that's the reason that we still need this forgiveness and repentance. And we talked about in Revelation that five and the seven churches, and this is uh, years after the cross, that the Lord said to the churches, repent, change your mind, turn. So, Repentance is still a part of our life. Now, I don't repent to get saved. I repent to cleanse my soul, my emotions, those thoughts, that heaviness. I need cleansing, and that's what happens when I, when I repent. In 1 John 1, 9, we talked about if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will cleanse us. Now, you don't come to the Lord and confess all your sins to get saved. You confess, you call upon Him as Lord and Savior. That's how you get, get saved. And if there was a, a teaching years ago that if you didn't confess all your sins before you died, you didn't go to heaven. Well, what a burden to carry, you know. It's, it's not true. It's not the truth. And I, I'm going to show you that it's not the truth. So we uh, confess our sins because uh, we're walking with him. Sin has consequences, and we want to stop that. It, the wages of sin is death. And it, it still it can work in a believer or an unbeliever. It opens the door to the enemy, and, and that unforgiveness is what opens it. But when I repent and turn the other way, it shuts the door. It shuts the door to the enemy. The truth is, God would let you go outside of, of truth and righteousness, and you're out there, you've opened the door to the enemy, but when you repent, change your mind, go back into the kingdom and with righteousness and truth, it shuts the door to the enemy. And we need to do that. We need to shut some doors where God can open some doors. Amen? So confession or acknowledging wrong is agreeing with God. A knowledge that this is wrong, but you overcame me at the cross. It has no dominion over me. This sin has no place in my life because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's the reason I can go to the throne room of grace even when I've blown it as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I go as his son, not as, uh, oh, woe is me. Because I know who I am in Christ. So I don't confess sin to earn forgiveness. I'm not talking God into forgiving me. He's actually already forgiven me. This is for my benefit, for my soul, for him to be able to cleanse the unrighteousness out of my soul. That's the reason after you finally go to that person and ask him to forgive you, there's a weight that comes off. Man, peace will overtake you. You feel so good. Feel so much better. You don't confess sin to inform God that you messed up. He already knew it. I'm responding to Father in faith. I'm releasing the kingdom of God. I'm receiving cleansing, freedom from condemnation. I'm receiving liberty. I come to him 
uh, not fear-based, but grace-based. I come on the grace of God. So I run to Him and I receive from Him. I get rid of any sense of shame, guilt. So we're, God wants us to be honest when we've blown it, but then receive His grace and His peace. It's kind of like um, if Ella and I uh, got into it. Now, that would never happen. We've never had an argument. Um, we've had some very intense conversations. But if I said, I don't need to apologize to her, I, I get the marriage license out and say, we're still married, I don't need to apologize. I mean, no, that's not going to go very far. That's not going to, I mean, that gets you more into doghouse than before. <laughs> but see, we, God expects the same thing. When we've grieved His Spirit, when He our approach, what he wants us to do is to go and say, sorry, I'm wrong. And in fact, when you look at scriptures, the, the Bible speaks of the husband-wife relationship being the closest thing to our relationship with God. And the way that God set this thing up, he wants us to interact with him and come with him and be honest and get forgiveness. Repent, turn. And peace comes. And strength comes. God set it up that way. But you know, the enemy, he's, he's a liar. He, he'll come, he wants, he wants us at extremes. He'll come and say, oh, your, your sins are already forgiven. You don't need to even mess with that. Don't even deal with it. Don't even think about it. Don't just forget. And people become some, so loose with sin. Oh, I can do anything I want to do. God will forgive me later. And it's just, or people come and they've blown it. And they just can't get over it. They're just uh, hopeless. They're just uh, so overcome grief. grief because the enemy is speaking both ways. Sin is destructive. And the reason Father wants us out of it is because it will destroy your life. It will bring trouble. It will bring drama. There's enough drama without us creating drama. And, and so Father wants us not to have destruction in our life. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he works through our disobedience and those things that are outside of the kingdom of God. So God wants us, and, and he says, now you're forgiven, but don't go sin no more. He, he, he deals with both. There's a, there's a balance there. He said, don't sin, but if you do sin... You have an advocate. You've got Jesus Christ, the righteous. So I want to look at, just for a minute, minute, what happens when you sin. What happens when I sin? And what if there's sin in my life I don't confess? In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, this is a message which I have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, light here represents truth and it represents righteousness and God deals in truth and righteousness. When we walk in unrighteousness, we're no longer walking in fellowship. Say fellowship. In fellowship with God. Because 
the two don't, don't mix together. And many people say your sin will separate you from God. Now, I understand what they're saying, but according to the new covenant, the Bible says nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you. What's he talking about? Relationship. The relationship is intact. But fellowship, there, there's something there that's hindering fellowship is because I'm holding unforgiveness against this person or whatever it is, whatever area. So it's hindering my prayers. It's hindering our fellowship, our communion together. Because he's speaking to me, but he's saying you need to take care of this because it's destructive in your life and it will open the door to the enemy and the enemy will come in and cause problems if you let it stay there. So we, we need to understand that when you sin, you haven't lost your salvation. You've just lost, uh, you're hindered in your communion with God. Fellowship is broken, not relationship. We draw back from God. The truth is when we're living in sin, we depart from the truth and grace doesn't work in our, in our life. And we need the grace of God working. Father fellowships or has communion with those he's in relationship with. So it's talking about fellowship here, communion. It's just like if your child blows it and they come in and they ask forgiveness and, and they say, I'm, repenting, you don't go, you're not my child anymore. Get out of here. You, you don't, a, a good parent doesn't do that. So we come down to verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I want you to notice again, fellowship is used here. The word fellowship, it's not talking about relationship, fellowship. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Who? It's not other believers. We have fellowship with God. That's what he was talking about. We walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with him, with God. And then it says, in the blood of Jesus Christ, uh, the blood of Jesus Christ's son cleanses us from all sin. Now, if I'm in relationship with him, we know the truth is that Jesus became the propitiation for my sins. He paid the price. He took the wrath of God for all my sins. Where is he talking about sins? He's talking about sins in your soul. Your spirit has been made in the holiness and true righteousness of God. But in your soul, your emotions, it's still being renewed. It's still in the process of going through salvation. That makes sense. So you have to deal with your emotions, your mind, your thinking, your reasoning, you, your imagination. You have to deal with these things and you can get, have unrighteous thoughts and the actions coming out of your soul. So when you do that, you can be walking in the light. Now walking in the light here means I'm walking in truth, but... The truth is, I can only walk in the light according to the truth that I know. That's the reason, and you can see it in new believers and stuff. They will do things that you know is sinful, you know it's wrong, yet they're being blessed. 
because they don't know it is. And you let the Lord deal with them or the, give the, the right time for that because there's things that I could do before I can't do now, but I did them fine back then. It didn't bother me at all. I was being blessed. Now God has put the spotlight on another area, and I'm responsible for that. And like I said before, he would put the spotlight on something. I'd get past that, think, boy, I have arrived. Well, after you figure out you've arrived three or four times, and something else keeps propping, coming up, you realize, I'm not going to arrive until I arrive and see him face to face. You're in process of renewing your mind and walking this thing out. So if I'm walking in the light as he is in the light, why do I need the blood of, of Jesus cleansing me? It's because there's sins that I'm committing I'm not even aware of. There's things I'm doing wrong that I don't even know I'm doing wrong. And I have good news for you. Your soul is at peace and there's un no unrighteousness there because the blood of Jesus is continually cleansing you. Some people will, will say, well, this is talking about uh, written to uh, an unbeliever to get saved, but it's not true. All we're talking about fellowship here. We're talking about believers. And all the letters were to believers, not unbelievers. So what are we saying here? I'm saying that you can, you can die and have all your sins confessed and go straight to heaven. I, I'm saying you will die and there will be some sins that you're not even aware of. And you go straight to heaven. Because the sin issue has been dealt with. The soul, the cleansing of the souls for your life here. When you get there, God goes ahead and he gives you a download. Your mind's renewed. But here, you've got to renew it. How do you renew it? Fellowship with Father. Time in the Word, time in prayer. You can't get away from it. You've got to. It, it's relationship. So then he goes in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And this is in your notes, you will not be a sinless person in this life where forgiveness is not necessary. Don't be deceived into believing that you're so holy and you're so good that you're sinless. <laughs> That's what he's saying here. None of us are that good. We had to have a Savior. Even on your best day. On your hair looking good day, everything going right, the birds are singing, the sun is out, the temperature is right, even on your best day, you still need the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus flooding your life and cleansing your soul. We serve a great God, a merciful, good God. And he wants you to have the best life possible. And the best life possible is when you're living for him and putting first the kingdom. But when you're missing it and you don't even know you're missing it, God's still covering you and taking care of that. But he wants you to be responsible when you do blow it to admit it and confess it and repent and turn the other way. 
and start confessing what he says, the word of God. So then you come down to verse 9, and he says, For those sins that you do know, confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, his word is not in us. See, if you're not confessing the sin, you're making them out to be a liar. <laughs> that the truth's not the truth. So, what am I saying? Deal with it. Deal with those things. Well, Pastor, I know you say that we're not perfect, but you know, I, I've examined myself thoroughly and I can find no spot or wrinkle. Ask your spouse or get a good friend. They might have to get magnifying glass, but there's a wrinkle there somewhere. Verse 13, it says, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Um, there's only one person that was led into uh, temptation, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 4, he went to the wilderness. He was led by God into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And uh, he was our substitute. He was tempted in our place. He went as a man full of the Holy Spirit. He used the Word of God to defeat the enemy, and it was tried and tested and true. It always works. So now we have the Word of God, and we know that it's proven it works. Now that was before, that was facing Satan himself, and that was before the cross, and now Satan has been brought to zero. Now it worked before. Now after the cross, how much more does it work? That he's nothing but zero. He's been brought to naught. So as our substitute, Jesus did some things that you'll never do. God will never call you. He said, carry your cross, but he'll never say, you be hammered to a cross and you bear the sins of the world. <laughs> There's some things you'll never have to do. He took your punishment for sin. You won't have to take that. In James 1.13, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does himself tempt anyone. God's not the, temper, the tempter, he's the deliverer. Each one's tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. That's what the enemy uses. He uses our desires. He uses desires outside the boundaries of what God's word has for us, and he entices us, and our flesh gets involved, and Next thing you know, we've we brought forth sin. But he says later on, you read, don't be deceived. Our Father, uh, everything that's good and perfect cometh down from the Father of light, whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He's a good Father. Everything good comes from Him. So if you think God is leading you to be tempted to go rob that bank, that's not God. It's the enemy. That's your flesh. It's not, not the Lord. It doesn't say use your shield of faith to quench every fiery dart of God. Why would Jesus tell us not to be led into temptation if God was the one leading us into being tempted and tested and tried? You resist temptation with the weapons of the Spirit. Uh, Luke twenty two forty six. 46, then he said to them, Why do you sleep, rise, and pray, lest you enter into temptation? 
Jesus telling the disciples here in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, rise up and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Our relationship with him, our, our prayer keeps us from entering into temptation. And uh, most Christians don't even know that the thief is the one who still kills and destroys. God came to give you abundant life. He is good. In Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness, conveyed us into the kingdom of a son, son of his love. You've been delivered from the evil one. And when you look at this up in the original Greek, it delivers from evil, it's deliverance from the evil one. You have been delivered from the evil one, and you've been translated or conveyed into the kingdom of God's dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into that kingdom. So when you filter this, what are you doing? Uh, you're exercising your authority over the enemy. You're reminding uh, the Lord that uh, I have power over all the power of the enemy because I'm in Christ. That's the way you filter through this, this prayer. You always put it after the cross. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the finished work of the cross. We're so grateful. We're so thankful, Lord, that you've forgiven our sins. And you've even made a way, Lord, for our soul that's still in the process of being renewed. That's still in the process of its salvation. And Lord, I thank you that you've given us opportunity to come to the throne room of grace and receive cleansing for our soul. Cleansing for those emotions, those bad thoughts, those vain imaginations. And Lord, we thank you that's cleansing even for those sins we don't know we're, we're committed. We're, those things we're unaware of that we've done where we missed the mark because we're not perfect. We thank you that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of that. And we can walk free before you. And God, help us to be responsible when we know we've blown it, to deal with it and take care of it, not to bury it, not to let it fester and grow, not to let it conceive and come forth a, a, and be born as a, a sin child, but, Lord, for that thing to be placed under the feet of Jesus, for us to have victory. God, we thank you. We choose you. No one looking around. If you need to choose Jesus today, it's the wisest decision that you could ever make is choosing Jesus to be your Lord, to be your Savior. He paid an awesome price where you could be a part of his family. He wanted you so much that he died and went to a cross. He became sin. He took your shame, your guilt. He took sickness to disease. He took the curse where you could be a part of his family for all eternity. But he'll not force you. You have to choose him. You have to say, I'll follow you. I make you the Lord. I choose you, Lord. He's already chosen you. He's already welcoming you. His arms are already outstretched for you. Will you choose him? Will you make a decision that you'll not turn back from? A quality decision to follow Jesus to follow the Lord it'll change your life everything will change that you 
won't you just lift your hand? Maybe you've prayed this before, but you're not living right. You're not living for him the way you're supposed to live. And today you need to make a change. And while the Holy Spirit's impressing upon your heart, would you lift your hand and say, I'm going to make that change right now. Maybe you need to forgive. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Maybe you need to forgive your spouse. Maybe you need to forgive your children, your brother, your sister, aunt, uncle, your co-worker. Maybe you need to forgive God. He's perfect. It's not his issue, but you've held something against him. Let it go. Let it go. Drop it. It's hindering your life. And you're wondering why you're not hearing from God. You're wondering why you're not walking in the place that you used to walk in. It's because you're being hindered. And Father wants you to know that the hindrance can be removed in just a moment. All it takes is for you to open up your heart and say, I'm wrong. And I forgive and I release this and I let it go. Stop holding the grudge. Let it go. That thing that hurt you years ago, let it go. That decision that you made that you've never forgiven yourself. That decision that you made that you got into a relationship and there's no way out. Feel stuck. Lord says, I'll change the relationship that you say you're stuck in. If you'll forgive and release that thing, I can turn it around. You've taken your eyes off of me and you're thinking you're so proud and you're so holy. But if you'll let it go and lay down the pride and lay down that false holiness that you think you are because you're walking in total disobedience to my grace to forgive you and release you that I purchased at the cross. It'll even bring healing to your body if you'll take that step. take a moment it's all say Lord I forgive all and whoever that was that the Lord was speaking to you name that person and say I forgive them I let that go I release that in Jesus name I let it go forgive your mom let it go forgive that sister acts ugly around you all the time. Let it go. Let the peace of God invade your being. Invade your emotions. There's no reason this thing can't turn around now and you see victory. No reason this thing can't turn around now. And God calls you to be triumphant in all things. You say, Pastor, I don't understand. You don't have to understand at all. Just let it go. Just drop it. Drop it. See, your life affects more than just you. You're affecting others. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
just repeat that's all repeat this Father thank you for Jesus I recognize the price that was paid for me at the cross that all my sins were forgiven and I come into a relationship with Father God I make Jesus the Lord of my life I choose Jesus today to follow you Lord with all my strength everything within me and I believe for your grace Lord to help me walk that out because I can't do that I can't follow you in my own strength Holy Spirit infuse me with strength to follow Jesus I forgive and I release all who have hurt me all who have disappointed me all who have abused me spoke ill of me I let it all go and I forgive myself I forgive you Lord I know you're perfect I've held things against you I've questioned things I let it go I forgive and this day I choose to walk in the love of God the peace of God and the joy of the Lord let the kingdom of God that is within me be released out of me to everyone around me and I thank you for your great love in Jesus mighty name everyone said amen If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.